the Rams Review Podcast are delighted to announce a new sponsor for this season, the Terrace Apparel. The Terrace Apparel offers tributes to iconic sporting moments and heroes embroidered onto timeless crew neck tees made from organic cotton for a soft but durable t-shirt which makes them both comfortable and stylish. There are currently over 100 bespoke designs to choose from, from footballing legends, cricketing masterclasses to major winners, with more designs being added regularly. Can't find something that's special to you? You can even request your own iconic sporting moment. Contact them on their website, theterristapparel.com. But that's not all. For all Derby fans listening, we have had the pleasure of creating our own design, voted for by the listeners of the podcast over the last couple of weeks on our socials. You voted for the iconic Jim Smith and Igor Stimak at the baseball ground, which will be on sale very soon. Keep your eyes out on our socials for the product launch. Also, we can exclusively offer 15% off all purchases with the code RAMSREVIEW15. TheTerristApparel.com. Check it out now. Welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby Cat. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. And we're back together. Corey, it's got to be the first time in, well, a while. Um... Derby were winning games in the champion in League One when we last actually did a podcast together. So, yeah, um, nice to have you. Uh, nice to nice to be all on today, mate. It's, it's nice, and of course we've got Jack. Jack's not been with us for the last couple of weeks either, so uh, we've got the three amigos on. But it's a full house. It's a full four uh, debut on the podcast as well. Uh, Mitchell Barwell, Mitch. Nice Hello. to uh, nice to have you on the podcast, mate. Thanks for yeah. coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate being offered the opportunity. And I know that it's going to be a, a jam-packed episode. Uh, this, you know, obviously we we've missed a couple of games. There's been a lot going on in the last seven days. Certainly in the UK, obviously, uh, Corey, as I, as I know you're aware, because you uh, you asked me all about it. I have actually been in London for the last two days, and it is absolutely crazy. So uh, quite glad to be uh, back in Derbyshire, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's been a bit, it's been a bit nuts down there. I must admit. So obviously, football got cancelled at the weekend, so that kind of screwed up the podcast for last week. But we are back. We have got a game to talk about uh, last night. And, and Corey, you've just coined a phrase, and I'm, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you use it as we uh, as we talk about the game last night. Kick, kick us off. What did you What did you think to Derby's dismal performance last night? It was limp against the imps. Like, I like that. That is yeah. That is. I'm just saying, you know, I, this is why I get paid the big bucks. No, I think you know we we knew that League One wasn't going to be an easy ride, Jason. I know I, I obviously I talk to you and Jack pretty much daily, um, and I'm very much in the camp that that League One is it's a tough league. I remember the guys from the Roker Report saying like this league really sucks, and to be honest with you, this league really sucks. Um, you know, when you look on paper at Derby squad should be winning games and it's the old adage of games are not played on paper they're they're played in between the white lines um sometimes they're played in boardrooms between different chairmen but we're not going to talk about Wickham now we'll talk about that later um but you know it, it's a tough league um it's it's a really really tough league um and and it proved again last night you know the Rams go to Cincel Bank they lose 2-0 in a listless limp performance um I saw the passing stats I mean if, if games were won on passing stats we would be 
winning games easily, but games are not won with passes. They're with the ball in the back of the net. Um, and I saw some statistics. We played four teams in League One that have finished like 14th, 15th, 20th, and 23rd last season or something like that. And we won no games against them and scored zero goals. I think it's just it's just absolutely pathetic. It's just so sad right now. Um, we need a spark from somewhere. Um, I know we're going to talk about team selections later on and things like that. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just frustrating because you can see the potential in this team. You can see the potential in the side when you look at who we, who we brought in in the summer and, and, and the quality that's on, on the field, but there's just something that's off and there's just something that's not clicking. And unfortunately, you know, again, I mean, championships and promotion are not won and lost in September. Okay. Let's not beat around the bush. They're not, they're not won and lost. But the points that you pick up now can make it a hell of a lot easier later on. And I don't want us to get to a situation last year or sorry, later on this season that we may miss the cutoff between automatic promotion or playoffs or mid table by saying, well, you know, that game at Lincoln, the chances were there. We didn't take and we lost and that ultimately cost us. I mean, if you look back to last season, we were beating Peterborough right in September before the points deductions came or before the administration happened, they came back and won in the last minute. And had we picked up those three points, it makes relegation. I know obviously we went down, not because of that, because we lost a couple other games, but that pushes that relegation window so much tighter and you never know what's going to happen. And you look at that and you go, we only, we only went down by what, I don't know how many points we went down by, but we only went down by like less than 10 points or something like that. You could have found that in games that we have done. And so I don't want this to end up with a situation uh, like it was, you know, uh, uh, last season. And, and we need to be firing. I don't know what the answers are. Hopefully somebody has some answers. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not, not the best, not the best performance, Jason, of, of the season. I'll put it that way. From my opinion, anyway. No, um, I, I watched it and actually I was, I was getting more and more angry as the game was getting on. Um, and I want to concentrate on sort of Lincoln first, but it's something I want to go on to in a little bit about sort of the sort of the season so far. I know we're only seven or eight games in, but it's I think there's a couple of key points at the moment that I think with everything that's gone off is is clouding some fans' judgment a little bit of um, of actually, you know, where this sort of where this team are a little bit. And I think we've seen so far in the opening seven or eight games exactly where this team is. And it's not as good as people think it might be. But that is something I want to go on to uh, a little bit later. But on last night, I mean I missed the Plymouth game last last time out, obviously because we missed uh, we didn't have the game uh, on Saturday. So I I'm, I only saw very small bits of the Plymouth game. I was on a campsite on the East Coast. I got the first I got the first half, um, and then if I'd have switched off and thought that's how the game had ended, would have been great. And then obviously the second half, I couldn't physically get a signal, so I couldn't actually watch the second half, and so obviously heard. Um, Lucky and, you. <laughs> yeah, well, heard and since seen the highlights of just, you know, a lackluster second half. And obviously you listen to the pre-match, uh, pre-match presser from Rosinia. They've had 10 days. They, they're itchy to go. They had a bit of a talking to after that Plymouth game. Training's been intense. You hear the same lines from same managers. It, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the usual. It's on like a, a notepad that they always read out. It must be. And then... In the opening 10 minutes, whilst Derby had a nice bit of the ball last night, Lincoln were well more up for that game than Derby were. And I was a bit disappointed in the whole game, the whole intensity of Derby last night, to be honest. But 
I think the first talking point, Mitch, we'll come to you first. If you, I don't know if you saw the whole game or not, but obviously the, the first real talking point of the game is probably obviously the penalty that Jason Knight gives away. And I mean, for me, it, it's one of those anywhere else on the pitch, it's probably a foul. But I, I'm not so sure it's that much of a penalty, to, to be honest. I've not really seen a, any angle of a replay that's made me think otherwise. I, I think that's a bit of a soft one. But obviously, one of the first things that you don't want to do when you go away from home is within 10 minutes, be 1-0 be down, do you, to arguably a soft penalty? Oh, no, definitely. I mean, there's the problem, like, obviously, last season, we had the same situation where there was decisions that went against us. Uh, obviously, you know, we can't always use the excuses of, you know, refereeing performances and stuff because it happens every game in League One to every team. But there is a lot of times we'll see in these games like decisions that will generally impact the game very early on. Like a lot of teams in League One, when we're especially like this season, we're looking, we're going to them. When we're away from home, they're sitting in once they've got their goal or even without their goal, they are happy for a point. So when they have the opportunity to get the penalty and obviously Jason Knight, it, it's one which, you know, it's debatable. Uh, some have said, I've seen some say it's, you know, Stonewall. Some say, you know, it's on the side of, you know, harsh. I, I think it's probably harsh personally, but obviously we, you know, not referees and, you know, we can't really do much about it. If a referee gives it, we've got to then try and find an extra two goals rather than just a one in the first place. But at the same time, you know, how many times can referees get away with doing certain things without anything being said about it? No, I I agree. I think, I think you're right. And and Jack, well, I'll come to you as well. It's one of them, isn't it? It's, if it's against you, it's soft. If it's for you, it's a stonewaller all day long, isn't it? Yeah, as cliche as it is, that's what it is. I mean, I think there's obviously a lot of uh, controversy around VAR as well. But if you look at it in that context, it's one of those that I think whatever decisions given, if there was a monitor to go and look at, if there was uh, assistance with the replays, do they just stick with whatever the referee's initial decision was? It's probably not clear and obvious either way. And I mean that's not that much use anyway in the Premier League, but even by the letter of the law and how it's meant to be utilised. Mm. Yeah, it's soft, but it's it's given. And I mean, we should, you know, it's quite early on. We should be able to kind of fire ourselves up and be ready to come back and find the energy to push for a goal. What, you know, you've, there's going to be really dodgy refereeing decisions. That's part of football at times, especially lower... Uh, leagues but you've got to you've got to kind of work around it haven't you we should yeah we should be able to deal with it no I thought I I would completely agree with you um Corey I don't know how much of the game you actually saw last night but in between those two Lincoln goals Derby actually had the ball in the back of the net twice with again I've just not seen another camera angle so it's very difficult to argue um James Collins, I think, is probably the one out of the two, if, if you were going to say it was definitely offside, was offside. But I know it doesn't count, but a neat finish from him on, on the turn. 
for that second one with Mendes Lang, I'd like to see that again because uh, with a with a much better angle than what I've seen. Because I must admit the uh, the TV pictures from Rams TV last night weren't great. Um, again, we're sitting here yet again. Yes, we think that it was a lackluster performance. Yes, it you know the passing was terrible. There were too many players not playing well. But ultimately, for half a yard, Derby could have easily have taken something out of that game with with those two chances. So it's not, again, it's not as if we're not creating. We've, we've been saying this pretty much since the start of the season, which is a massive difference to last season. We are creating chances. We just, for whatever reason at the moment, certainly away from home, they're not sticking. They're being ruled out. We can't, they're being cleared off the line. There was another one cleared off the line last night. Um, it is, it's just not going Derby's way, is it? And yeah, I, I, I suppose that is the frustrating point because of everything else, you know, the lackluster performance as well. I think it is, Jason. Before I address that, I'm going to address the, the conversation that, that you mentioned Jack was just talking about. I mean, Jason Knight's now played 118-odd times for Derby, right? He's an Irish international. Um, you know, you would hope at some point the experienced players understand that when you play at this level, we talked about this last year in the championship, Jason, you know, I harped on this a lot. When you make it, when you make a referee make a decision, it's going to go against you. If you go to ground in the box or you lift your arm out from your body to to try to do things, even if you're not trying to to block a ball or whatever, if you're in, if you're trying to do a tackle, you're trying to do a play, and you make that referee make that decision. Nine times out of ten, you're not going to be happy with that decision. So you just hope that experienced players stop doing things that you know. I mean. Maybe show the man outside. Maybe use your body a little bit more. Maybe don't go to ground. Maybe don't give him the option to pull him back. These silly little things. Cut those mistakes out, and those decisions will be um, those decisions won't go against you as much. Now, with the goals, you're right. I think the op- the, the chance creation that Darby's been creating this season is something I'm very very happy with because last year we we couldn't we couldn't hit the barn door with a bazooka. Like we couldn't create anything. Um, we're creating now. We just don't have people to put it in the back of the old onion bag. James Collins obviously opened his account against Plymouth and whatnot. And again, you know, is the, is it onside? Is it offside? You could say very much the same thing. These are the same conversations we were having after the Plymouth game that, you know, was their equalizer. It was either their equalizer, or their winner. Was it onside? Was it offside? These are marginal decisions, you know, um, and, and sometimes just, just the rub of the green that you're going to get. And yeah, I think when you're playing poorly, or you're or or you're not getting results, either one of those or both. That's an either or situation. Um, you're going to look at these. You're going to look at these things and go, yeah, you know, the, it, it's going against this lady. Luck's not shining on us or whatever. But you would also expect that players. It goes back to my opening kind of comments of the podcast, Jason. Is we have experienced players in this squad. You would expect that this squad. I mean, you've got what two Irish internationals in the team in in Hurricane and and uh, and Knight. You know, you've got McGoldrick on the bench. Collins has played internationally as well. You've got experienced players on that field and you expect them, hey, we go a goal down after 12 minutes away from home at Sinsel Bank. Yeah, small, intimate stadium, tough atmosphere. Got it. But let's man up here. And we, we've still got plenty of time to get back in this to get back in this match. Um, yeah, I mean, those goals go in from Collins and Mendez Lang. I mean, different different complexion of the game entirely. Obviously, goals win games, but. I think to, to, I, the referees are going to make the decisions that they're going to make, and you can't obviously adjudicate for offside. But you would just hope at some point that um, the that the that Lady Luck turns and Darby maybe get a good run towards the end of the season when you know the games are coming thick and fast, and you can make a lot of things up in that Easter period. Or who knows? Maybe this is maybe this is 
this is luck shining down and saying, when we get to the playoff final, you know, there'll be a disputed offside. The VAR won't work and it'll go in and we'll get promoted. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, it's frustrating when you get, when you get those decisions, it's it's frustrating when you get decisions go against you, but I mean, something like offside, I mean, as long as we're creating opportunities and then, you know, we're, we're putting those opportunities away, whether they're onside or offside, I think that's the best thing. We just need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. And I think we just have, we just need more players to step up every week. I think what we're doing as a team, I think we're relying on one or two players to carry us through each game while other players kind of get to tip top form or figure out what they're doing, or I'm not quite feeling it today, boss, or whatever. And what we need, we need to get 11 players onto that field every week that's hungry, that want to go out and win a football match and are prepared and have prepared themselves all week to go out and do that. And I'm not saying that they're not doing that, but I think we're relying too much on one or two of our more talented players to try to pull the strings to get us over the line. And when they're not performing, we're going to struggle. So I think it's a lot more going back to basics, you know, we can, we can stop a lot of this sexy passing. Okay. We're not the Dutch team of Johan Cruyff and, and Rude Hill. We're not the sexy football kind of team. This is not the premier league. You can't, you can't pass teams to death here. Okay. Because they're going to sit in a low block. They're going to sit there and say two banks of four, park the bus, low block, whatever you want to call it. Fine. We, when, when we look at the, it's like when you look at the rock, when you look at the schedule, right. Take a team, take a team like Nottingham Forest, right? In the Premier League. They play Manchester City. They lose five, six nil. But they didn't go into that planning thinking, this is where we're going to get our three points to stay in this division. They do when they play Bournemouth and they go, this is three points that we need to target. So these teams are not targeting victories against Derby. These teams are going in saying, hey, if we can walk out with a point from Derby or just not get smashed where it ruins us for, you know, four or five games, we're going to be okay. And then they end up winning these games because they sit deep and Derby for some reason are unable. It's very difficult to break the low block. It's very difficult to break down, but because they're sitting deep and they're sitting in those situations, Derby, Derby can't break it down. and can't do it. They hit them on the break. They get a goal game over. I mean, I don't know if we have to change tactics and say, why don't we sit in a low block, let them come and try to hit them on the counter kick. I mean, the work for Leicester, they want a premier league title doing it. They got to a champions league quarterfinal doing, it. I mean, Maybe we have to just change the way that we're playing to match the style that we're that we're in. Maybe it works when we play Ipswich, Sheffield, Portsmouth, the, the bigger teams in this division who want to get down and play football. But some of these teams aren't interested in doing that. They're going to be rough and tumble. They're going to be playing route one and they're going to sit deep and let Darby come. So I think maybe we have to change our tactics slightly, shake things up and give teams another option and something else to think about. Because one thing I noticed in the comments last night after the game, and, and we've noticed that the Darby for several years the lack of a plan B is apparent. If plan A is not working, the answer to plan A not working is do plan A better. That is the wrong answer. We need to have a plan B, whether that is bring on like somebody like, I'm not saying Andy Carroll because I, I don't think Andy Carroll's a very good footballer, but you know what I mean? You, you have options. You bring a big guy off the bench. Maybe he shakes things up, right? You bring quick players on, like obviously Dobbins started last night, bring, maybe you bring on Willisula and you, and you change it up. Maybe you play with two, maybe you play with, three forwards, maybe you rotate them in and out and change the, the dynamics of the midfield, play with five at the back instead of four, you know, push an extra person in the midfield. Maybe you do these different things to try to break things down, but your plan B cannot be do plan A better. That is, that is just not very good. And it just seems like that, that idea is rearing its ugly head, head again at Derby. And unfortunately, if we continue to play this way, we will be in this division next season. And it's, it's September. And I'm not trying to be defeatist. I'm just trying to be realistic here. You got to get points. You got to get wins on the board to push you up that table because once you're cut adrift, 
it's going to be incredibly difficult. I mean, imagine recruiting in January, right? Let, let's say we are able to recruit. I don't know if we're able to spend money. I don't think we are because of the transfer embargo and agent fees and whatever. But if I say, hey, Mitch, do you want to come play for me because we're languishing in 14th in League One? That's different than saying, hey, we're in the top six. We're gunning for the playoffs and automatics after January. Do you want to come join me? It's a different conversation for a player. Well, you're going to get a different quality of player that's going to come into this football club. So it has longer term impacts as well. I think we've got too many players that are misfiring right now that are being played in strange roles. Um, we're going to talk about some of them later on, but you know, that's just my, that's just my two cents. Jason is mm. we're creating chances, which is great, but we need a plan B. We need to do something different because you, you can't go. You look at it in the FA cup, these premier league teams go and get steamrolled. I mean, every couple, every year, four or five premier league teams get steamrolled by teams in the non-league league two and league one. Because they go in and they try to play this sexy football. It just doesn't work. Most of the teams, it just doesn't work. You're going to just have to change your style of play and do something different because it's it's obviously not working. It's working at home because we're still winning games. It's not defeatist here. We're not bottom of the league. I'm not Burton Albion, but I'm just saying, you know, put it this way. I talked to my dad about it after the game. Lincoln, like five years ago, we're in the non-league, Okay. Mm-hmm. And no disrespects to Lincoln. It's a fabulous city. I'm a big fan of Brown's Pie Shop. Amazing pies. I love the city of Lincoln. It's a great place to go on vacation. But they were a joke in the football pyramid five or six years ago. They were in the non-league. They had a great run under the Cowley brothers and played Arsenal in the FA Cup quarterfinal, right? And that funded them for like three years. They were a joke. We were trying to get to the Premier League. We were signing big money signings. And now they're beating us five years later in the same league. I mean, I... I think that point just makes it. It's just, it's just kind of like we were just talking about that. It was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. They were in the non-league five years ago and we were trying to get to the premier league and now they're beating us at Central bank. And so it's just, it's a little, it's a little embarrassing. I think to, to can, when you get steamrolled by these teams, I'll shut up now. Cause I'm going to put my soapbox away. I'm going to let mm. everybody else get involved. Cause they're sorry. Hey, sorry. Uh, no, no, my, mine, mine's coming out later when we talk about team selection. So don't worry, but ju- just, just to finish off from last night, Mitch, I, again, I, I don't know how much of the game you saw, but for me, Derby had obviously they 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 laboured through the game and only found themselves one nil down and it, there was a there was a spell in that second half just before Derby got the goal disallowed really where they'd started to just turn the screw it looked like they were getting on top they obviously have the goal disallowed and the one thing you do not want to do is then let Lincoln go all the way down the other end and concede a goal from just an absolute shambles at the back. I mean, I've seen a couple of people, in fact, me included over the last couple of games that has obviously said the back lines look shaky since Davis came out of it. I thought Davis was absolutely well off the pace last night, but um, it just, teams, well, Lincoln just ran through Derby last night for that second goal. And then everybody's just stood looking at each other going, well, how did he get through? And just when you're building that little bit of momentum to to shoot it in the foot, and then I thought Lincoln's game management for that final 20 minutes, Derby, obviously, they tried to make changes and and just none of it worked. I mean, I think, Curry, you're right, is a little bit embarrassing, but you have to take your hats off to these teams because they're doing exactly what Derby... It's not a a knock at them. Fantastic. If we're Lincoln fans, I'm, I'm over the moon. But it's what but we it's want from like, Derby. We want Derby to be able to do well, these that's things. That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, we just lost to Lincoln. It's not, you know, doom and gloom. It's not the World Cup final, right? It's not like England mm. losing to Qatar or something like that. Yeah, that might come yet. That might come yet. Yeah, that's coming. But I'm just saying, 
it's just it's just like where the two teams were five years ago, and now five years later they're beating us on a night at Central Bank. When five years ago it'd have been like, hell, this is a hell of a cup tie. We're gonna look forward to this. It's gonna be whatever, you know. Something just needs to change. Sorry. No, no, no. You're right. But Mitch, just just to finish off on that, like I say, it's just. It's it's bad game management from Derby yet again on let's ultimately another night unfortunately on the road to to forget isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. I think the problem is as I said before about obviously teams sitting in and obviously trying to counter attack because we are trying to keep the hold of the ball. That is obviously what we're trying to do. We're trying to play um, as Corey said like this sexy kind of play where we'll pass teams off the park and eventually we'll work that goal. I think the problem is. When these teams are breaking, we've not really we're kind of missing like that Christian Bielik kind of figure, that George Fawn from years ago, who will sit ahead of the two centre halves and just break up that attack. If he has to take them out and maybe get a booking, they'll do that, or they'll just cover. But because Jason Knight isn't a right back, and we're obviously, as you say, we're going to discuss that later, but because he's not a right back, he's obviously naturally going to go forward. He's not going to be like always worried about the defending when sort of he's sort of like Rossini is sort of like um, in and out with Fozzie and Roberts at the minute like he can't seem to make his mind up who he wants there so I think the problem with that is there's no consistency on that back line either and obviously Stearman was in and then because of Davies injury Davies has come back in in a game that's going to be obviously quite physical and he's not eased him back in he's not you know, had a couple of minutes or 20 minutes, 30 minutes in a game. He's just straight in against a team that will, you know, just be physical with you because the problem is in these leagues, they don't necessarily look at the quality of players. They're like, right, these players have played Premier League. These players have played Championship. They don't care about that. They will just run and work harder than you if you let them because they know they haven't necessarily got the quality to do it. But if they just run at you, and that's what they're going to do, they're they're just going to go for it because that's you know they're lacking the quality. But end of the day, the team works well together against the sort of style we're trying to play, and I think that's where the problem comes. I think we're lacking in that role of someone just to break up the play because Bird isn't necessarily like that defensive midfielder that's going to just try and bully players. Um, Corey Smith's missing and obviously he looks a big loss at the moment because when he's come on in games we've it's shored up the midfield um, and then we've got Horahan who again isn't necessarily a physical midfielder so I think that's where we're lacking I think that's what we're kind of needing and I think that's why teams are able to get through our defence so easily when we're away from home because we've not got that person just staying back and holding it down to help the centre-halves I want to put something out there to you, Jack. I'm going to I'm going to get your opinions on this. I'm going to put an opinion out to you, um, and I, I'm going to ask. You, I'm going to let you all in turn answer it. But after the game last night, as I said, I was quite frustrated with what I'd watched, and then I'm just starting to think. You know, you come up as as we've just discussed for the last 10, 15 minutes. Oh, we had two goals choked off offside. Oh, we had this. We had that. We had the other. Oh, we've only you know we've only had a team for six weeks. We didn't think we was going to have a club. We didn't think we was going to have this. At what at what point does that stop becoming an excuse? And do people realise? Because I've seen it on Twitter, people are coming out and calling Derby. You know, fans are rightly coming out and saying it's it's not good enough. And then there's a lot still. There's a very large chunk of the fan base that are hitting on those and going, yeah, but we didn't have a club six weeks ago. Yeah, 
absolutely. But but how long do we go on with that, Jack, as a as an excuse? Because I'm going to put it in a in a in a layman's terms, and I know it's very difficult. But you take away everything that went on in the summer. Yes, we probably wouldn't be in League One, and yes, we probably wouldn't have the the mishmash of squad that we've got. But it is still a pretty solid squad. When you look at the, is it eight league games we've played? Yeah. How many out of those eight league games have we actually deserved to win? Because I would argue probably one, and that was one we lost, and which was Charlton away. Yeah. I don't think Derby have actually played well enough for long enough in any of those games to actually warrant. I mean, what we on eleven points? That in what twelfth, thirteenth, whatever it is. I think- I'd actually say Derby, they're getting away with it at the minute. Some people are looking at it from a different perspective, and that's a that's a that's an opinion, and that's not a problem. But I don't actually think Derby have had the, as good of a start to the season in terms of performance that some are making out that they have. What, what's your thoughts on that? Right. So, I mean, on the on the play style, Liam Rossini has uh, described it as a like a long term investment, hasn't he, in the future of the club, and I think that. The theory behind that is, is that if you can get these young players comfortable playing this way now, it stands you in good stead at a higher level. But there's no point in that if you can't play well enough to get to the higher level. Um, but yeah, so people are frustrated, and I think it's a. I don't think it's as black and white as either. Well, we didn't have a club the other week, so we can't complain. Or you can't. You know, I think what it. From my perspective, I think people have every right to be annoyed, be frustrated, and there are things that undoubtedly need to improve. I think it's how how angry we get about them, which is always exacerbated on Twitter, isn't it? Mm. It's how angry we get about them in the in the grand scheme of it. So we can go, this wasn't right, this wasn't right, this wasn't right, this needs to improve. This has been an issue all season and still hasn't changed. But but then you know, you, you've also got that bit of perspective. So there's certainly anyone, to, you know, kind of the fan base dividing on these things is is not helpful at all. I think, yeah, we should we should be playing better. It, there's there's no doubt about it. But yeah, it's just how it's how angry people are getting about it last night that's kind of surprised me and caught me off guard a little bit. Yeah, we're fickle fans. We've said this before, but 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 Mitch, I mean, same point to you, really. I mean, as I say, it is my own. It's my opinion and my opinion alone. There might be people that think think the same way as me, but you know, just that eight games so far. You know, is there anything there that you see that you just think, yeah, I can, yeah, okay, I'm I'm confident Derby can, you know, come out of this. I don't know if you call it a sticky, but whatever you want to call it. Can can you see them getting better, or you know, is is it time actually to take a bit of a reality check and go, mm, hang on a minute, this is this is actually not going as well as we uh, as we thought and hoped. Um, some parts I have seen, I think, yeah, you know, it is going to get better. Um, obviously, we've still got like we've got new players in, but the problem is it's not really an excuse, I don't think, because look how many of the actual previous squad are still here. You know, Jason Knight, Max Bird, Curtis Davies, Richard Stearman, uh, Cashin, Fozzie, you know, Sibley. We've we've still kept quite a big chunk of that squad. Yeah, we've lost Tom Lawrence, but, you know, we've we've gained Barkhausen and we've gained Mendes Lang. Uh, we've got a couple of loans in Dominic Weber. 
some of them are young, yes. So it's going to take time for them to settle. So with them settling in, will in time they start producing? Oh, Dobbins looked good in the games he's played, you know, at times. Um, he's looked like a bit of a flair player. But obviously, how soon is it they have to click and get playing before obviously a panic starts to set in? We've seen it's not an easy league to get out of. Sunderland, they were in there for a few years. Ipswich, they've been in there now. Um, Sheffield Wednesday. Obviously, these teams were meant to come straight back up when they went down. So we know it's not as easy. And obviously, as fans, we are thinking, not all of us are thinking, you know, oh, it's just going to be a walk in the park. But we'd like to think we'd be back in the Championship next season. That is something that everyone wants, everything that we expect of the club because of, you know, we've been accustomed, unfortunately, to uh, this for so long, you know, okay, we want Premier League, but 14 years or whatever, we were in the Championship. Like, that's what we're accustomed to for a while. Um, we look at some performances, obviously, against Plymouth, we didn't play well at all, and we got two goals. Now, if we do that in games where we're not playing well and don't concede those three goals, you, you know, you'd like to think playoffs at least, because... If you're not playing well and still getting results, then you can't really argue with that. Okay, you want a good performance, but it's the games you're not playing well that if you earn the points in that are going to, you know, get you back up. The problem is, I think there's just a bit too much uncertainty around what squad is wanted and, you know, required at the moment. I think that's where the doubt comes in on if we can get better. Because it's not a consistent lineup every week. It's not always, yeah, I'm happy with you. So, like, Sibley's in and out of the team. Sibley puts in a good performance from the bench and then he's back in the team and then he's subbed off in 50 minutes the next game. And it, it just seems like the uncertainty around the, like, you know, the squad with Rosinia makes me doubt if it'll get better. But at the same time, as I say, if you look at the game like where we went 2 0 up against Plymouth and not playing well, you know, going 2 0 up. That's showing signs that if we do, you know, if it does start to click and get better, then we can get the results that we require to go up. It's it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I say it's all this. This was this is an opinion section, Corey. Again, same question to you, mate. I mean, from from your perspective, do you think Derby have basically? Do you think Derby have been good enough so far this season? Yes and no. I think to your point, Jason. I think. When David Klaus came in, we all said, this is the inflection point, right? What's happened in the past is in the past. This is a new dawn. This is a new era. We've got new players, new squad. We're in a new league, whatever. So so I think the whole, well, we didn't have a football club six weeks ago kind of mantra has to go out of the window because I think us as fans and even the club, you know, the new era had begun, right? So whatever happened in the past has happened in the past. That's fantastic. I'm very fortunate that we're still able to talk about Derby County. That's never going to change. That is never going to change. And that doesn't mean that I'm not grateful that we don't have a football club, but it's, it's a freaking piss poor excuse. Forgive my language for all everybody else that's listening. It's a terrible excuse to sit down there and go, well, we, we didn't have a club six weeks ago. So, so what do you expect? We built a bloody football club up from 14. We got what 14 odd new players in the, in the summer, give or take talk about the re-signings and everything like that. About 14, contracted players in, into the to the thing. It's going to take time to gel. 
But right now we're not gelling. Right now we are struggling. Like Mitch said, if we score two goals in games that we don't play well, we're going to win more often than not. This is not, I don't want to make our audience feel like this is all doom and gloom. It's it's September 14th. There's plenty of football left to play, right? There's going to be many more twists and turns in the season to come. But I think it's an important time to step back and say, look, how do we assess the squad around that ton of that kind of 10 game window, right? 10 league games, 10 overall games. You can sit down there and kind of the, the table starts to take shape. This Derby team is capable of so much more. And I think that's the frustrating thing for me, right? If we had had some of these players in the championship last season, I don't think we would have gone down. I really personally, I don't, I don't think we would have gone down. I think we would have had enough to stay up with Mendes Lang and Barkhausen and Hurahane. I think we would have stayed up even with the points, even with the points deduction. But we're battling teams that play a completely different style than teams that play in the championship. It's like a complete, it's like we might as well be playing in Austria or Bulgaria or Romania. It's a completely different style of playing league one than it is in the championship in terms of the way these teams go. Teams outside the top four or five. Okay. Port Vale and Forest Green Rovers and Cheltenham. That just sounds a depressing list, but whatever. But we know that this team is capable of so much more. And that is the frustrating part is. I sit back, I watch the games, and I'm like, and at some point we're going to kick into another gear. And then we don't. And then I get angry because I go, I know what Connor Hurahane can bring to the table because I've seen it with my own eyes. He's a top quality player. He's been class for a decade. He was playing in the Premier League three years ago. You know, I know what Tom Barkhausen can do because I watched him at Preston and I always rated him. I watched him at Blackpool. I was like, this guy can play the game. Mendes Lang exciting he's like the league one Adama Traore with a little bit more finishing power like amazing I know what these players can bring to the table but I just want something more and I'm not getting that something more right now so that's me as a fan going as a supporter going well that's why I'm getting frustrated because I know this team is capable of so much more I've seen Liam Rossinier make really good tactical decisions so I know he's got him in it and then I see him making terrible tactical decisions and I'm like Why are you doing that? Because you wouldn't do that. Like Mitch said, Sibley has a great cameo. Plays for 50 minutes the next game, come off. We don't see him for like two weeks. Then he has a great cameo. Like just if the lad was highly rated, right? You're playing Max Bird week in and week out. Put Sibley in the team. Give him a run of 10 games. And if he sucks after 10 games, we never need to see him again. We can sell him in January. Fine. I found out about you. That's I found out about the player. But you can't find out about players when you're giving them 50 minutes here and a cami off the bench two weeks later, and then he gets a start and then whatever. So the, the consistency is just really weird. I mean, he played Willa Sula for 20 minutes. The guy had one training session. He's 17, 18 years old. He played him for 20 minutes. That's fine. That's what you should do. Play the players that are on your books that you're paying to play for your football club. But do you really think he's ready if he's had one training session? I mean, Curtis Davis came back to the thing this week. And obviously somebody said, hey, we need Curtis Davis in the back because we're leaking goals. But no one's looking at Aaron Cashin, who got, in my opinion, beat three times for goals against Plymouth and saying Aaron Cashin needs to come out of the game. Why don't we put? Why don't we go with Richard Stearman and why don't we go with Curtis Davis for a game? Because that was good enough for the championship, but we play Aaron Cashin every week. Not a knock against Aaron Cashin. Again, like Mitch was saying, You've got this weird thing with Fozzie and Roberts. Pick one, go with it. Find out about the players for a consistent period of time. If you don't like what Fozzie brings to the table, great. Tell him and he can just be a sub or play him if you like him or whatever. The only position that we actually have that's a steady position is in goalkeeper, Joe Wildsmith. I mean, to be fair, I thought Joe Wildsmith, he's done okay so far this season. 
He's done okay. Not brilliant. He's done okay. But I think in answer to your question, Jason, because I took the local there the long way round, is I know that this key, this team is capable of so much more. I've seen it. I've seen these things in fits and starts. So you know what they're capable of. But then they don't show it on a consistent basis. And that's what makes me angry. That's what makes me upset. And I think that's what upsets a lot of other people when you read the comments through social media. Yeah, it's shocking that people are this early in the season and they're, they've got this vitriol whatever going but you know what they're capable of and you know that it's more than this and you're not seeing it. And that's, what's so irritating. Yeah, no, it's, it's an, it's an interesting chat. Um, I'm sure we might return on that. Cause I know you've got some fans questions a little bit later on, but I want to press on as we, we are, we've been going for a while. Um, and it kind of ties into the same thing. And it's something that Mitch picked up on earlier. And Mitch, I'll come to you first about it. The next major topic that seems to be the the talk of the town at the moment is Derby's is is Derby's team selection. I know we've touched on it a little bit there, team selection and formation. And I think you are absolutely spot on. I don't think Derby's midfield is right at all. There, there's clearly something not right. Corey, you pointed it out a minute ago. Max Bird gets seems to play every minute of every game. I'm I'm still not convinced by him. I wasn't convinced by him last season. I wasn't particularly convinced by him the season before. If there is somebody else alongside him who can do the other side of the game, he seems to be better. But when you're asking him to do that, like you said there, Mitch, that you know he, he, the defense is not a defensive midfielder. Corey Smith does that well. Jason, can I can I just cut you off? Yeah, and I'll add this to Mitch and to Jack as well. We've been talking about Max Bird for several years. What type of midfielder is Max Bird? Is he a midfield destroyer? Is he a creative midfielder that can ping a ball and create something out of nothing? Is he a box-to-box kind of guy? Because to be honest with you, I like young players coming through. I got it. I've got, I've got no problem with Max Bird. He's fine for League One. We'll take over. But other than some sideways passing, what, what type of midfielder is Max Bird? Because we've been watching him now for three or four seasons. He's played what, Mitch? Maybe 80, 80 odd games, maybe 100 games now for Darby? I, I, what type of midfielder is he? I can't make it out. Like you said, he's not a Bielik destroyer midfielder guy. He's not box to box like Craig Bryson. He doesn't shoot from distance. He has the occasional good shot. I, I know that, but he's not, you know what I mean? He's not one of those creative hanging on the box, pinging balls in. And he doesn't, he's not like a creative, like a, I'm not saying in yesterday because I'm not using them in the same sentence, but he's not someone that pulls the strings. What type of midfielder is Max Bird, Mitch? Uh, Personally, it's tough to say with Max Burke because he doesn't necessarily give off the vibe of a specific midfielder. Like, he doesn't necessarily run box to box like Jason Knight does in the team when he's in the midfield. He doesn't break up the play like Graham Shinney did when he was at the club or Bielik when he was here. Um, I know he's obviously only out on loan, Bielik, but the, the thing is with Bird is if you look at his play, he tends to seem to be more forward than he does backwards like in positioning wise, which if you're someone that's got to be holding that midfield down, you don't necessarily always want them further up the pitch because as I say, this is how stuff like the Lincoln goal happens because the holding midfielder to cover the back, you know, the back two, back three, whatever it is, is supposed to be there to break up that attack before the centre arse has to even think about it. Now, if he's further up the pitch there's no one there. So it's just literally the attacker, the midfielder, whatever it is running at the, the centre halves. They get past them, they're in on Wildsmith straight away. So I would probably say he's more of a, probably creative, more, you know, he's either going to 
get the ball, someone that they can rely on a little bit to either distribute to someone who will either run, which might be a, a Mendes Lang, a Sibley, Barkhausen, or is he going to get the ball and give it off to, say, if Knight moves into midfield, give it off to Knight, who then can run or maybe distribute a different pass. So maybe that's what his role is in the team, but I don't necessarily see him as a defensive-minded midfielder personally or necessarily a box-to-box. I think it would be more creative. Jack, come in on this. Come in on this situation with Max Bird. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I don't think his role's been very defined, basically, over over the years, has it? I think we certainly, as Mitch said, we certainly missed somebody sitting at the base of midfield. I mean, I think we... I've been thinking for ages and last season I'd like to have kept Graham Shinney, not only because of, you know, 30 grand, what's the point in that? But, um, you know, I kind of wrote, I wrote that off a little bit. I thought that's the Scottish part of me coming in with a bit of bias there. But um, but no, it's it's that bit of energy, that bit of fight in the midfield, both defensively having someone to break up the play shield back for, but also if Jason Knight can go into the midfield, does that drive us forward? Because he he has the energy, he will make those runs. Does that mean that we don't just pass it round the back? And is he somebody who actually has the confidence to kind of go for it and take some risks? Um, yeah, we need, and in that in that sort of situation, you would need somebody to sit in deeper. But yeah, I don't. As Mitch says, that's probably not Bird. So you're probably looking at a holding midfielder, Bird or Hurrahan. And then Knight, from from what we've seen. Third and Hurrahan, there's I mean, there's undoubtedly quality in that midfield. They're they're quality players on you know on their day in the right position. At the moment, in the last couple of games, especially, it's not worked. And as as you said earlier, Corey, about about a plan B. So we've had two games, Plymouth and Lincoln, where they've suppressed Third and Hurrahan. They've managed to uh, play in a way that's just kept them fairly out of the game. Why, when that happened against Plymouth, we, and then again, when we saw the same sort of trend emerging, why wasn't it changed? Why wasn't there a plan B? Um, you know, what's, what's happening with Aduro is a question I've seen asked a lot over the last 24 hours, because, you know, if we're lacking something in midfield, but we're not, you know, we're not moving Knight into there to give that a go, what does that say about the the one right back we've got that they'd rather play a central midfielder there, as well as as well as Knight has done, considering he's been thrown into the position to cover. Um, you know, he's he's not he's not being utilised to the best of his ability in the same way that Rooney would often stick him out on the wing, and we've seen nothing from him. Yeah, I th- Max Bird, it, it, it's an interesting one for me, and I think. In all honesty, I, I think everybody's opinion tells me that I, I'm, I'm not. So, I'm not so sure he should be in the squad at the minute. I, the, there is a bit of a problem with who would you put in there, especially with Corey. I think Corey Smith would be somebody. Obviously, we know he's he's got a little bit of an injury, but I think the like you're. I can't answer your question, Corey, any better on Max Bird than any of the others. What kind of a midfielder is he? I, I don't know. Is a very Will Hughes type of person, type of player from when Will first came into the team. But then but obviously you, Will, Will progressed. But I would ask you, what type of midfielder is Will Hughes? And you, you could answer. 
we've been well, watching Max Bird now for like two, three, nearly three seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he, that, he, he just occupies a space and doesn't particularly do a great deal. I mean, I'm I I lean like me onto the work. side. I'm just kind of there. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. I, I lean onto Mitch's side of things, where he seems to be a bit more not of an advanced forward, but he, he is a bit more forward thinking. But then the amount of times he gets to the edge, you know, he, he gets the ball 25 yards out, and we know he's got a left foot on him. He, he always looks for that next pass, and to me, somebody a bit like a Will Hughes, he got in and around that box. He would put a shot away. And and if if Max did that more and we saw more of that, then maybe I'd be able to stamp down and go, that's exactly what type of midfielder he is. Yeah. And and I think one of the problems that we've got, certainly at the minute, and last night I saw there was a hell of a lot of um, comments about Conor Hurahane's performances in a Derby shirt so far. And I, do you know what? I, I, I thought about it when I saw them and I was like, yeah, other than his goal against Oxford, which great strike gives us the first three points of the season, gets us up and running his delivery from corners isn't, hasn't been brilliant. His free kick last night, if anybody saw it, 20 yards out, when it's an absolute shot on target, he absolutely spooned it into the wall. There's, there's something at the minute that he's, he's just, he's not right from what you said, Corey. He's a much better player than this, and we know that. Um, but is he is he being sacri- is, is he being sacrificed because of, obviously, Max Bird? We're not really sure where he's fitting in. I wouldn't say that Conor Oran's a defensive midfielder. I wouldn't say he's a left winger either, where we've seen him operate a few times. Certainly when we've got the ball, the, the midfield tends to split and he tends to go out onto the left. It, it's it's all a bit of a mishmash at the minute, and I don't know if that's down to players available um, you know, or, or what that may well be. Maybe that is why, you know, a plan B is struggling. We, we all said at the beginning of the season, Derby's strongest area, midfield. I would actually stand there and argue now that in the middle of the park at the minute, it's probably Derby's weakest because it's just not, for whatever reason, that's not individual, per, you know, that's not individual people, but that's just the way that the, you look at the team, what's lacking at the minute, it's midfield. Jason, is Conor Hurahan getting into this team because of his name and past reputation? Mm. Possibly. If his name, if his name was Jason Straw, would he be in the team? Well, obviously, but no. Yeah, uh, I mean, not. like if he didn't have, if it was, if it was some other random guy with another random name, yeah, quite possibly. Be in the team, or is it because it's Connor Hurahay and we know because he's living on past reputation? Quite possibly. Right. Um, I mean, I, I'm what, just throwing that out there. No, no, no. I mean, what we've got to remember is, I'm not saying that there's any dark magic that's gone on here, but. Anybody who brought 14 players into this football club in the summer did a very good job. It'd be very interesting to see what kind of... I, w- I was going to say lies then. That, that's, that's, that's not fair. Uh, incentives. Let's put them in a different way. Uh, what kind of incentives these players were given? Uh, you know, it, yeah, it's, I, got, I got what you're saying there. I made that... It, how was it sold to them, sort of thing? Yeah, what, we, we just don't... Told? Yeah. yeah, because there are at the minute. I say Horahane, not not for me. Um, but like well, you said, it's certain... similar to my deal here, Jason. I have to appear on twenty five podcasts a season, or you have to pay me more money. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, you're right. Seth Johnson, Seth Johnson of the podcast of, of yeah, the podcasting. But yeah, I, yeah, it does seem, and it's it just ties it all together with what you started with, Corey. It does seem that this certain, oh, well, sorry, Mitch, and uh, well, in fact, you've all kind of mentioned different players. Certain players seem to get a much more of a break in the first team when they're not necessarily firing, whereas others who you would think deserve a bit more of a run tend to be 
tend to be sacrificed uh, on, on, a, on a game-by-game basis. And if that's him figuring out what his best setup is, if that's him still learning, if that's Rossini still learning as a manager, we have to hold our hands up and say, we've got an inexperienced manager, which we know we have. And, you know, you are going to get that. But I think there is a bit more to it than that. I think that, you know, I think there are a couple of players that at the minute, not necessarily pulling their weight. And we've seen it so far already in the eight games. We've we've said it all podcast. We've said it all season, Corey. Teams aren't going to give Derby respect because why? Why why would they? It's just a name. And if we've we already straight off the bat, we're almost playing with 10 players because we've got somebody like Max Bird sat in the middle of the park, not really knowing what he's expected to do, which means the person at the side of him doesn't know where to be in the pitch because he doesn't necessarily know where Max is going to be. There, there is that rigidity to it, um, and, and that that can that can affect you know other players and the the Hayden Roberts and and Fuzzy thing. It the only thing I can the only thing I can see is that Forsyth offers you so much more that down the left wing, and you're not even a Forsyth fan. No, I'm not. You're not even no. a Forsyth fan. No, that's mental. That is yeah. mental. I'm not. But it, you're I, I would pick him. I, w- I would pick him over Aiden wow. Roberts because you watch Aiden Roberts. Last night was a little bit different, actually. He stuck out there. But every other game I've seen Aiden Roberts, I've not really seen him go down the line. I've seen him drift in into the middle, which is already being operated by two people that stand there and we don't know where they're playing. You're next going to tell me that you wish Scott Malone was back, aren't no, you? No, shut up. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, that, th- there does seem to be a little bit of confusion as to quite where everybody plays and as we say I think we put it down to the word gel and and, un- and understanding and, and we get all that but it comes back to the the question that starts you know started off this piece how long is that an excuse how, if you want to use it it's not in an that excuse. way when the no, season kicks long, off you got to be ready to go man yeah I, I, I don't see growing pain. all these teams have got growing pains all these teams yeah. have got growing pains the excuses are you got to win football games if you don't win football well, yeah. games you're gonna be in league one and it's gonna suck yeah, yeah. do, do we wait till Christmas game. You know, do we it's wait the same Christmas? thing. If I go into, if I go into the World Cup and England fail in the first two games, right? You don't have time to make it up. You've got to hit the ground running. You've got to start winning football games off. That's what top teams do. Manchester yeah. City don't have 10 or 15 games to sort out how the ball is going to get to Holland. They just know it needs to go in the back of the net and then they win football games. And you have to do that at Derby. You have to walk in every day. We got to win this game. Every game is high pressure. Every game is a big game because you don't want to be in this division for a long time. That's what we're all expecting. And that's the frustrating thing. I shuddered. I don't really want to be here next season talking to Jack and Mitch and you, Jason, talking about Cheltenham Town away again, or Ackerington or Mansfield. If they get, I'm Jesus Christ. You know I mean? I just, I just don't want to be doing it. I think we all expect as a fan base to get out of this division. I don't think we're going to expect to cakewalk it, but we want to be out of the division and you've got to win games to do that. So, Jason, should we move to some fan questions? Yeah, yeah, let's go for some All fan right, questions. Let's go to some fan questions. So, what we're going to do, we're going to go around the table, really short, succinct answers, so we can get to a lot more of these. All right, guys. All yeah. right, Jack, should uh, should uh, uh, Jake Rooney be given a chance to start in the league, and should Asula start ahead of Collins? The way we go, it's worth a go. They they played well in the cup, haven't they? Rooney, very impressive, and he'd play. He could play that holding midfield role. He's played there in one of the top games and did quite well. You know, one of the other things I noticed about Rooney that kind of irritated me, they gave him the number 34 shirt 
And I was hoping they give him the number 32 shirt, but it's very much the similar situation of like Christian Ronaldo when he went to Real Madrid and they gave him CR nine, but then they were like, wait, that was fat Ronaldo's number. People are just going to use their old Real Madrid shirts. We're not going to make any money. We'll make him CR seven. And it's the same thing. You see people want Jake Rooney shirts, but they could have just worn 32 when he's 34. That throws me off. But uh, Mitch, how long do we give Liam Racine here? That's a tough one. Um, I think because he's obviously new to actually the coaching role, like the managerial role himself, it's quite tough to know how long you give someone because as a club we've, and fans, we've got expectations to go back up straight away. We know in reality it's not that simple. The problem is who actually replaces Rosinia if we get rid of him early on, say, you know, are we going to get someone that has then got to learn the club again and learn the players and then the players got to gel and adapt. And a lot of these players have come to the club for Rosinia. Um, You could say last year that a lot of the stuff behind the scenes was Rosinia. Um, Players have also said that from what I've seen, that Rosinia was one of the main factors behind it. Um, And it was Rooney was the front man to that. So a lot of these players already know sort of how Rosinia works. So I feel like we have to give him time because the problem is, who, as I say, who comes in, replaces him, and then it's the whole process again. Um, and then if, you know, that doesn't work for them, are we going to replace them? And it's just going to be an ongoing cycle. And and it, that's the exact point that we discussed last week on the podcast, Mitch. You must have listened to it. But no, I'm just saying, like, it's the same thing. It's it's not only getting rid of Rosinier, it's it's who do you bring after that, right? Like, who else is available that is going to want to take on a team in League One that a fading giant in league one that is under a transfer embargo for another two and a half years. So it's not like you can go in and splash the cash. Like most managers do, you know, spend 10, 15 million, bring your players in. So it's who else is available, who you're going to get. I mean, the Cowley brothers, we know that they've got success at this level, but they want so much control of the football club from what we understood talking to Huddersfield people that it takes, it takes a lot. It takes a special club to be able to give them that. Um, You know, it's such an interesting situation for me. I think we continue to wait. Because one, there's no one waiting in the wings that's going to come and take this club over. That's a genius in League One. Um, Rasinier has been touted as a highly respected new age coach for a long time. Give him, give him the opportunity, right? Give him the opportunity. Put me in, coach. And if you fail, then buy. It's fine. If you give him a five year, you know, two or three year contract as a manager, things might go pear shaped by the time the World Cup starts. You got to sack him, and you got cost a lot of money. So what's the harm in kind of keeping him right now, continuing to work through these growing pains? Because we've been talking about this squad gelling, and I'm sure it takes time for Liam Rossinier to, to get up to speed, like you were saying, Mitch, as well. This is this is his first taste of being an actual manager. He's been a coach, but he's not been a manager. He stepped yeah. in for Rooney a couple of times, but he's not dealt with it day to day to day. And I would I would hope, because he always comes across as incredibly intelligent, you know, and someone who's got a good coaching brain, that he will get it right sooner rather than later. And so what we've got to remember... What we've got to remember is he's only eight games into the season as well. Of course. It's, you know, seasons are long, especially in these divisions. You know, we've got the whole, you know, winter period where there's a lot of games coming thick and fast to get through. You know, right now, we've lost two games on the bench. Yeah, that's not ideal in League One. It's not ideal in any league. But we could go and win the next five. And then all of a sudden, everyone's talking about how great Liam Rossini is and how great the squad is. So yeah. it's got to be a thing that, you know, if in, say, 30 games time, 
we're still in a position where we can't get playoffs. We can't get, um, you know, obviously we won't get automatics then if we can't get playoffs. But if we're in that position, then you sort of question, is he the man for next season? Of course, you know, yeah. Ipswich, look at them. They finished, what, 12th, 13th last season? They're now unbeaten. And it might take a season in League One for us to establish ourselves like that. It might take a season for Liam Rossini to establish himself. Are the players going to stick around in League One next season? That's debatable. Yeah. Is he going to have the same squad? Again, probably not, because a lot of these will probably leave. But if he knows the league after one season, will we have a chance to, you know, push like Ipswich are currently? I think so. So I think, you know, he needs to have the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at Huddersfield with Corberon, it took him a, a while to get used to that. They had a poor season and he nearly took him up, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the next season. Jason, the next point that I wanted to bring was was a question that we 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 had a lot of questions about. Um, Jason Knight, is it time for him to move into midfield? And and to he's doing okay at right back. He's not the world's greatest right back. Um, is it is it? I would say that he's better utilized in midfield. That's probably his best position. Is it is it time to stop the Jason Knight at right back thing? Play the young lad from Ordu from Manchester City. And just go, you know what? We're just going to play him at right back. That's just the way that that's going to be. And if they beat us at right back, they beat us at right back. But we need the energy and legs in midfield. Is that is that time to do that and stop Jason Knight at fullback? Mm, it, uh, it's, it's difficult for Padabi going forward and having a bit more punch, yes. But um, no, I, I don't, I don't see it happening at the minute um, I don't think Adura is anywhere near ready I think he needs more cup games which obviously are coming uh, the first couple of performances that he, he I know obviously I've seen him in pre-season a couple of times I've seen him in a couple of the cup games he has not looked convincing at all um, so throwing him in I don't I don't see him doing a better job than than Jason Knight I think the one thing Mitch pointed out earlier a little bit was some you know <laughs> It is he's not a right back, so his positional aware awareness of being at right back can be a little bit can catch Derby out sometimes. Um but you throw in a door who obviously had never made a professional appearance he, until he came and he he's only played under eighteens football. Okay, we threw a lot of under eighteens footballers at it last season. Some paid off, some didn't. You know, Liam Thompson was a was a mainstay in the side last season. Can't get a game this year because basically he's just not good enough. A, another midfielder, really. That's you know, you don't really know what his his best position is or, or what his, his best style is. So I don't see it changing. The only time I can see it changing is when James Chester's back fit, and it may well be that we sacrifice him out there. Uh, or one of the other, or just go to, or just go basically, or to go a, for a to, to a, a back, back three, five. yeah, yeah, back yeah, three, back five, absolutely. Whatever, yeah. That that's uh, that is really the only time you would say, why don't they do that now with Stearman? I'm not convinced with Stearman. Uh, I don't Chester, think I think's much better in a three from what we from what we yeah, talked about with the Stearman. I would have thought so. Or as I say, we sacrifice Chester outright, and that will then plug that gap. But I don't, unless Aduro really does turn around in the next couple of you know uh, paints the. Per, Papa John's trophy games and really shows what he can do, which let's face it against the opposition that we're going to be coming up against. Isn't really a, a litmus test. It's, but. So you're telling me in the dressing room, he should say, you want a pizza me. 
Mm. I, I, I'm still I'm not. Like I'm still really. not. I'm still not fully confident he was brought in for the first team. I think it was just the the fact that it looked like we wasn't going to bring in another right back. All the fans would have gone, oh, you know, hang on a minute, we've not brought a right back in, and that's why he got a bit more of a because he's he's been nowhere he's been nowhere near the first team on on, on a on a in uh, you know in, in a league squad. I think the feeling around him was to bring him in for the under 18s and the mm. academy games this season to build him up. Yeah, because he is a highly rated talent at Manchester City, from what I've heard. Um, so bringing him in and you know not letting a player like that slide is a good you know bit of business in the future. Might it worked out well, didn't it, with Eberwelly and Plange, Mitch? So yeah, we might get some money from him in the future. You never yeah. know. But for now, for the first team, he wasn't brought in for that. From what I've heard, it, it is a year in the academy. See how he does there. Maybe bring him into the first team next season. Obviously, no one, none of us really expected Burn to leave. Um, and then that happened. So then it was sort of a scramble around who's going to play right back. Do we have a right back? Aduro came in. Questions and we about, thought that's the guy, yeah. Yeah, questions whether he's now going to go from, okay, no academy for him straight into the first team. Clearly, Rossini hasn't seen enough from him or something he's not seen that's made him think, yeah, I want to put you straight in the team. And that's why Knight's there now. So obviously, it was a strange one not to sign a right back, though. Or maybe we tried and maybe no one was available. I don't know. But obviously, that's, I think, what Aduro's sort of role was, was to instantly go to the academy and spend a year there. And I think that's one debate... other point. Go on, oh, sorry, Jason. Corey. I was going to say, one other point. I think it's literally just come to my head. And I don't think it's necessarily this is what it's about. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. Jason Knight would... I think we'd all agree is is probably one of the most saleable sellable assets that Derby have got. Does Liam see him in midfield? Is it a case of well, we're going to have to stick you at right back because by the looks of it, we're not going to be able to play you in midfield because of the way that we want to play and the players that we've brought in. Is he going to get in the team ahead of Horahan if Horahan's fully firing? Arguable. Look. You know, the only way that you're going to stay at Derby is if you want to, is you know, you might you're going to have to go, you're going to have to go at right back. As soon as you drop Jason Knight from right back and you don't find a place for him in that midfield, I think at the minute you do find a place for him in that midfield. But for whatever reason they didn't, Jason Knight's going to want to be knocking on the door saying he wants to leave. And of course, yeah, quite. Yeah you know fair as well I, I would I would presume that that is that is something that you'd want to do so I, you know it'd be interesting to see if that you know it know if that was a factor in it obviously we're never going to know the answer to that question but it's an interesting point well uh Leeds are interested and obviously a couple of other clubs are interested as well in night so it sort of seems maybe we've shoehorned him in the side mm. just to make sure that's it yeah he doesn't go because yeah. yeah you can't guarantee him football he'll be gone and as much as you know the fans want to keep him Obviously, he's going to want to play football. You know, he's going to want to play for his country. He's going to want to play, you know, opportunity of Premier League football with Leeds. So it is pretty much as you say, like, if there's no place in the midfield, let's shoehorn him at right back because, you know, he needs to play. Yeah. Jack, I know you did the stats on this. When was the last time Darby won back-to-back home game or back-to-back away games? So, yeah, I mean, just to jump in on that, that last point, then... I mean, Knight playing at right back was is also influencing something that Jason mentioned earlier about Hurrahan ending up kind of out on the left wing. And I think Knight moving inside is sometimes shifting the entire team across. 
and we're kind of left a little bit exposed at times. But but yeah, it's how it is in the situation. But yeah, the last last uh, back-to-back away win, someone asked this on Twitter and you texted me this, so I did the research. And for two consecutive games away from home, it was um, the final game of the 2019-20 season against Birmingham and then a pre-season friendly against Peterborough, but that friendly was technically at a neutral venue. Um, so actually, it's 805 days since Derby last won two consecutive away games. So the first was Louis Sibley's half-trick at Millwall, the first game after the lockdown, first lockdown, first game of Project Restart. And then this, and then the second game, second win, was at Deepdale when Preston. Wayne Rooney threw kicked um, on nil win. And yeah, it's 805 days since the 1st of July. 2020, as we record this. And it's also worth mentioning that our final pre-lockdown away game was a 3-1 win at Hillsborough. So last time we won two straight league games away, we actually won three away in a row. Chris Martin, hatching of assists, setting up Jason Knight's fourth goal of his debut season and the Tom Lawrence brace. Mm, I was there. I remember I remember it well. Fair and enough. That's, now, See, yeah, that. that's good. That's some good research. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for looking into that. Two more questions, guys, before we're done with the fan questions. But this one comes um, from our Twitter direct messages. Um, do you think Curtis Davis is overvalued at Derby County because he does a lot with his social media actions, always talking about the different games and, and things like that? Do you think that Curtis Davis is is an overvalued asset for the club? Jack, I'll come to you first. I mean, he played every minute last season, didn't he? He was as a present. He didn't have a good game last night, but he's been thrown straight back in after after an injury. And I think even if there's an arg- there's an argument to say perhaps that he he is overvalued on the pitch, I think off the pitch, in terms of being the sort of character you want to lead a dressing room that's full of a lot of young players, a lot of new players, that's a really important role. And in that sense, he's really important. Is I think. You know, you've got to look beyond just three o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. You've got to look at the entire week. Mitch, and similar sentiment. Sense, Sorry, Jack. Go on. He's certainly valuable still. Very valuable. Matt, Mitch, do you agree? Disagree? Uh, I think Curtis Davies, to be honest, is probably undroppable from that side. I think it's more, as uh, Jack just said, it's more as well outside of, you know, there's the games on a Saturday. He does a lot for that team. You know, he's a leader. He's experienced he knows you know the how to get you know the job done and plus he's going to help players like Cashin you know Cashin okay had a brilliant game against Barnsley and without Cashin in that game we you know probably would have lost or at least drawn um and obviously Davies wasn't alongside him but how much of that you know knowledge and experience has Davies put onto him to get him ready to be in that position from like last season because Cashin was nowhere near that squad until, um, you know, last season, we're halfway through when he got his opportunity. And that was because Jagielka had had to leave to go to Stoke. So Davies is a massive asset to that back line. And, to the, and plus, as well, you know, Chester's not fit yet. Yes, he's back in training. Um, Stearman, he's been OK in games. But, you know, if you look at who's the best centre-half at the club, you know, are you going to pick Davies or are you going to pick Stearman and Chester and that over him? And I think you've got to go for Davies. 
Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Jason, you you got it. Do you agree, disagree? Well, do, do I have to give a contrasting opinion to this, or can we, can we all agree? I mean, you do can. I have to, do I have to give a five for off. the other side? We can boo you off. I think... No, I, I I can't argue with what everybody said. He he is a leader on and off the pitch. There is a little bit of me so far this season that has looked at some of the goals Derby have conceded, and they are shambolic. And you think to yourself, how? Well, obviously, obviously, not, he wasn't in all involved in all of these, but. You know there are other Richard Stevens, an experienced centre half. He's, he's he's played at you know a, a decent level in his career. It does make you look at it and go, how on earth are we conceding goals like that? And, because they're not just mistakes; they are they are pretty terrible. And I've seen two or three where the lack of pace at the back this this season so far is quite highlighted, I would say. Um, and it's caught Derby out. A lot more. I mean, don't get me wrong. Pace wasn't there in in the back line last season. It just didn't seem to catch Derby out as much. So it, it's it's hard. It's it's difficult to say. But obviously, as I say, Davis really hasn't been involved as he in, in five or six of those games. So very harsh for me to 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 criticize to criticize there. But I think Mitch is right. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, by the way. But Davis is definitely the best centre half we've got. And he's 37, 38. Yeah. I don't know if just, that's a good thing or a bad thing. Just to go on about you just said about the pace, obviously he didn't really catch mm. the start last season. Do you reckon that's maybe because of the fact we haven't got the holding midfielder this season like we did last yeah. with Bielik in there? Do you reckon that's what, you know, because last season the, the back line hasn't really changed too much. Forsyth plays, you know, you've got Cashin and Davies are still playing. Okay, Davies been out with an injury this season. Apart from right back, not much has changed there. Burn okay was a quick player, but that's yeah. one of the back four. You so, have taken a bit of pace out the side with Burn, though, haven't you? In that yeah, back line, definitely. Yeah, Burn going has taken some of the pace out, but I think probably to be honest, that role that Bielik had last season when he was in the side and before Bielik, because obviously Bielik was obviously out injured as well. When Shinny was in there, we had someone that basically acted as a back three at times that would just drop in and help yeah. those two centre-halves. So I think that might be where we're lacking as well. I think it is sort of one of the big things. And obviously, Corey Smith can do that. And we've seen it when he's come on, that um, in that Barnsley game or whatever, he was brilliant when he came on. But that's the sort of player we're missing, like someone that's just going to break up that play and help those two centre-halves. That's the amount we're getting countered. Uh, you know, there's been lots and lots of counter-attacks. Yeah, um, I guess Which those obviously... two things feed into each other, don't they? Because as teams see it working, they're more and more of them are going to try it. As they see the lack of pace, more and more of them are going to try and well, well, Nathan Burns sat back every from from every attacking corner last season because of his pace. We haven't. Yeah got that and like you say we haven't got that oldie midfielder we haven't which kind of rounds up what we were talking about earlier is that really the the key problem at derby at the moment is is that mid is that midfield area and but what you've then i suppose what you've then got to do is obviously we questioned it again earlier about tactics and and formation if they aren't your strong suits we have con jack you are spot we have conceded so many goals on the counter attack this season already 
you've got to you've got to iron it out, especially away from home. You've got to iron it out, and the only way you can iron it out if you haven't got the players to do so, you've you've got to change the style a little bit. You've got to do different things. Um, I don't know if that's naivety or again something that we've all kind of touched on. We've got a style of play. It's a new manager, new team. What's the point in throw you know throwing all that away after only what eight weeks together, ten weeks together, whatever it may well be? It could well come good with a bit of hard work. Do you always look to change at the first sign of you know first sign of danger? No, you don't. But if you're going to constantly keep doing it, you know we looked at looked at it from last season, the playing out from the back. How many goals did we concede from playing out from the back? Did we continue to do it? Yeah. Are we still doing it this season? Yeah. Have we conceded as many? No. Are we giving away as many opportunities? Yeah. It, it's it, it doesn't seem to be. It's, it it just doesn't seem to be the way that Derby want to play. It, it, there is a there is a definitive way to play that Derby want to play. The lack of Plan B probably alludes to that. Derby have got one style, and if it works, we win. If it doesn't work, we struggle. And unfortunately, that it's been like that for a while, hasn't it? This is not just the, a new the new era of Derby County, as we call it. You know, it's not that's not just this. This has been a this has been a problem for for years going going back ten fifteen years. We've never had a Plan B. Under, you know, even when we were riding I, we never really had a plan B. It's just that our plan A that time was good. Whereas at the minute, that plan A seems to be a, a, a tiny bit mediocre at times. Jason, one more one more question mm. for the group before we kind of tie everything off here because we've gone on for quite a long time. Um, do you think that the first teamers who have come through the academy, Sibley, Bird, Thompson, Cashin, Jason Knight, are they developing? Or are they regressing? Jason, I'll come to you first. It, some of those names have been, obviously, you can split those three and three, really. Some have been drip-fed into the side over the last two years, two, three years. Some got absolutely thrown in, you know, by the scruff of the neck last year. And, I, and we mentioned Liam Thompson earlier. Liam Thompson, when he came in and made his debut against Bournemouth, was it? he had a period of four or five games where he looked like an absolute seasoned professional. And towards the back end of last season, he was in and out of the team and we've hardly seen him this year. And it, it does make you wonder, yes, you could easily say that he, he, was, he wasn't ready last year, but he, he took his opportunity. But he's then had the taste of, of that type of football. What then is the point of throwing him back into the under 23s. I, I don't, I don't get that. Liam Thompson, you know, a lone move away. Would that have benefited him more? Maybe, maybe, um, especially, you know, as we've just talked about, it's an area that, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of looking for an answer in there, but he's, he's not being given his opportunity. So, you know, why is, why is Rossini not giving him the opportunity? I think Max Bird is a very talented footballer. It's just that he, doesn't at the minute he seems to be a bit of a at a crossroads um, in in his in his career at Derby. We, we as we mentioned quite for quite a while like earlier, we, we just don't know where he fits. Jason Knight, I think in some some respects, Jason Knight, as with any versatile, I don't want to call him a utility player because that's normally a thirty five year old veteran, but he is he is a versatile utility player, and that is usually to 
their players' detriment. At the age that he's at, you can probably do that at 19, 20. You can probably do that at 32, 33 when, you, when you're looking to prolong your career for as long as you can. But when you are a first-team player wanting to play as high as possible, and it, it, it's, there's no doubt he can play in the Championship. I don't think there's any doubt he can probably make the step up to the Premier League. He's an international player, yet he's playing in three different positions for, well, a couple of different positions for a couple of different teams. You know, it, 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 that's not a benefit to him. So he's, he's obviously been asked to do that job at right back this season uh, for the time being, how long that will last for, we, we spoke about earlier. But I, he's not going to, in, obviously, he's not going to improve as a midfielder while he's while he's playing at right back. So you're not going to see the best of Jason Knight in midfield while he's playing at right back. Right back. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Antonio Valencia. Obviously, he was at United, was a midfielder, couldn't hack it, got dropped back to right back. He was arguably one of the best right backs in the Premier League for two years. It it can happen. I'm not saying that Jason Knight is going to be the best right back in in the Championship in two years' time, but you know these these things can happen. And then you know the other Sibley. We've said it for the last two years, big season for him. And he's, I think this season he's been okay, but he, he's clearly not being given the opportunity to um, to prove what he can do on, on a game-by-game basis. And funnily enough, the kind of the best period of time that he's had in the side was was under Philip Koku, where he was played. Yes, there were games where he were no good and he, he, wasn't, he wasn't effective, but he, he had a run in the side. So... It's very difficult. Are Derby at this moment in time in a position where they can develop this young talent? It is is one of the questions. Is League One football the right type of football to develop these these young lads who have been used to playing in an academy system that have, have played a style of football? It, it's a it's a championship side of football. Obviously, all the, all the football levels at Derby play exactly the same way, and they've been brought up over the last however many years, five, ten years maybe some of them, at playing a certain style. Then all of a sudden, you 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 know you're thrown into a different style of play. So. I don't know about re- I don't know about regress. I'm not sure that they've necessarily improved either. It, it, it's a difficult one with the situation that we found ourselves in over the last couple of months and well, few months and what have you. But um, you would expect cream to rise to the to the top at this level if they're good enough, given the opportunity. We will we will see at the end of the season. You know, we we could be sat here at, at what at the end of May or whenever it beginning of May, whenever it is, and we'll go. Oh, yeah, Louis Sibley proved what he could do in a Derby shirt this season, or, or or you know, we found out what Max Bird is as a midfielder, or or or, or they leave in January. It, it's it, it probably is crunch time for for a few of those players. It was great that they wanted to stay around. We obviously needed the bodies. Um, I'm sure a couple of them had offers, but. It, they've they've now got to do they've now got to do that talking on the pitch, Corey. And yeah, it, it's a difficult question to answer because I don't particularly think it's either. I, I, stagnate's probably the word, but I think that's an harsh word to use. To be honest, I mean, I I've got quickly Jack and Mitch's opinions on it, Jason. But we've been watching this 
a lot of these players for three or four seasons now, when you look at Sibley, Knight, and Bird, and whatever. And I would agree. I think stagnation is probably the the best way to put it for for most of the young players that have come in. I think that that's normal for a lot of the young players that that you know, like Liam Thompson had gone from playing like 18 straight to the first team, and he did well for four or five games. We saw the dip in form, and he kind of came back around. But I also think you know it's always a curse of um, I forgot to add Aaron Cash into the conversation as well, but it's always a curse with academy players that we tend to um, tend to expect a little bit more of them from somewhere else. I think if some of these players were playing for other teams in, in league one, like if let's say they were playing for Barnsley or Forrest green or um, Sheffield Wednesday, would we really be, Oh yeah. I want that guy in my team. I, I don't know. Personally, probably not. I think a lot more young players are revered. Uh, that come through our academies as they probably all are at at at, at that age uh, for most football clubs. But I think stagnate is the thing. And I, and I go back to hearken to what I said earlier in the podcast is we have seen flashes from these players. We know what some of these players are capable of. And that's where the frustrating thing is because we see what Liam Thompson can do. Liam Thompson's got the potential to be an incredible box to box terrier type player sticking into tackles, not scared. I mean, against Bournemouth, he was phenomenal. That great Darby de- debut. I want to see that Liam Thompson again. You know, I know what Jason Knight can do. I know what Louis Sibley could do because I saw him score a hat trick and rip, uh, rip was it Blackburn to, to shreds single-handedly. No, sorry, Millwall single-handedly. It, it, and, you know, he scored the, the goal against Blackburn as well for his first goal. So we know that he's got it. I mean, I, I still remember to this day, he unsettled Scott McTominay. Scott McTominay must still wake up with nightmares of Louis Sibley from that game because he had, he had had, he couldn't deal with him. And McTominay played like 100 times for Man United and couldn't deal with him. So we know what these players are capable of, but they don't show it on a consistent enough basis because they are young players because of the situation that we are in. And that's the unfortunate thing. So um, I think stagnate is probably where I'm going to sit for this one as well, just because I know what we we've seen it. We know what they're capable of and they just don't show it week to week. Jack, you got to pick one stagnation, regression or progression. Overall, it's probably stagnation. There's a few of them that certainly progressed a lot last season. Will probably progress the progress a bit more this season. Um, it's inconsistency in not only their performances, but as um, some of you alluded to earlier, in the selection. So simply starting and then coming off the bench. If these players have to come off the bench for a run of games and kind of develop a role of you know super sub, then so be it. With five subs now. It's becoming an ever more important role. Um, I, I mean, I'm still living off this six weeks after the final. But, you know, look at Alessia Russo for England in the summer. Substitutes, if, you know, someone can be given that role, we can be crying out for them to start. But, you know, sometimes you just got to stick with them in that role and they can, they can flourish. Come on against tired legs and kind of let them do their thing. That's certainly Sibley. Uh, with Sibley, what you know, where he's worked best this season, but maybe it's the same for someone like Thompson with his with his energy. Who knows? Uh, Mitch, pick one of the three. Which one are you going with? I think it's hard to brand all of them because obviously there's different levels from all of them. Probably stagnation is probably the closest to everyone if you're putting them all together. But arguably, someone like Cashin is progressing. Okay, he's had a couple of you know shaky moments recently um Jason Knight playing out of position like he said to me before that he's wanting to be a box-to-box sort of like a number eight kind of role that 
he's going to get goals, he's going to get assists, he's, you know, he's not naturally a right-back. And he said that to me, that he wants to be this box-to-box sort of player. So for him, it's hard to say he's progressed, because obviously, has he progressed? Because he's playing out of position. Has he regressed? No. And has he stagnated? Again, it's hard to really brand him to say that because he's not playing in the role he wants to play. He's just playing in the role he's been given to get in the team. Um, someone like Thompson and Sibley, you know, Sibley, OK, under Rooney, wasn't really getting the game time anyway. So for him, you know, any bit of game time right now is, you know, a bonus on whatever. But as you said earlier, he needs like a run of 10 games in the side, no matter what performances are like from one game to the next, he needs that run of 10 games. Because if he doesn't get a consistent run, he's not going to prove what he can do or show maybe what he can't do. So I think, you know, it's hard to say that any players necessarily stagnated or regressed because of whatever, but they definitely haven't progressed either um, because of obviously they're not getting the opportunities as much now. So I think, yeah, I'd say, but in all, probably stagnate. But that being said, Jason, should we do something that we don't have? We do have another bit of confusion, which is how's Wickham's season shaping up? And for that, let's go to Chris Cooper from Wanderers Terrace Talk to give us the lowdown on Wickham. How are you doing, guys? It's Chris from Wanderers Terrace Talk here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, I've been asked by Corey to to share my thoughts on, uh, I guess, our season so far and give you some insight into what, I guess, to expect from, from Wickham. Uh, and uh, maybe some things to to look out for for the uh, the big game over the weekend. Um, I guess before we uh, do that, I've just been asked to to answer a few questions. Um, I guess around you know the start to our season and and thoughts on that. Um, I guess probably um, a bit of a slower start to the season than than we would have we would have liked. Uh, there's probably been a few things that are, have really dictated that though so we, we started the season with a, a number of key players out or certainly picked up a few injuries in the opening couple of games of the season so it's made it difficult I guess to, to find that that form and, and some rhythm and probably for Ainsworth to, to really know what his his best 11 is and probably fair to say that he's still kind of figuring it out now as, as players come back um, however that being said we, we are picking up form as well you know eight points from our last uh, 12 uh, available is is a real improvement as we start to get players back as well and probably no surprise uh, that our form has improved now that we have a recognized number one uh, Tyler Dickinson started uh, the first however many games um, in, in goal um, who uh, isn't our recognized number one and we, we didn't really replace Stockdale uh, through the summer however we we were let down by uh, a big club on on one particular player so uh unfortunate there but we we have signed a, a number one who who's doing really well um three clean sheets in in four or five games so so he's really solidifying his 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 spot and probably giving you know the rest of the team that confidence as well that that we've got a you know a strong you know tall shot stopper but you know but behind the the rest of the team so form has definitely improved um i guess in you know thoughts on our manager my goodness I, I, I don't know where to where to start really i think we as a as a club as a fan base we owe gareth ainsworth uh we we owe him everything you know he he's been with us for for over 10 years 
You know, he was a player for us, you know, and he, he took on a, a hell of a lot of responsibility when uh, Gary Waddock was sacked back in 2012. And I think, you know, Ainsworth will be the, the first to admit that he's gone on a, a real learning journey as well, particularly in the first few years, real learning curve where, you know, we, we nearly dropped out of the Football League um, and stayed up on goal difference on the last day of the this, this season. Um, but since then, you know, he, he's he's really gone on from strength to strength. And you know what? I think I would, you know, speak on behalf, or I hope to speak on behalf of, of lots of managers when I say, managers, fans, sorry, that we uh, wouldn't want anybody else to be in charge. You know, he gets it. He understands what, what the, the club is about, what our values are, our principles. Um, and and he is the, the perfect role model for that. You know, he's had his... He's had, his chances to to go away. He's had offers. Other clubs have come sniffing around many many a time, um, but he's remained loyal and he wants to build on on what we've got here and you know the relationship that he's got with our owners and and the fan base. I think makes makes his job slightly easier because he he is well supported and you know we we're grateful that you know we've got owners that have got the patience to 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 build on something good. Um, and not looking to to kind of change things when when things get difficult. So love Ainsworth. I guess key players for 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 you guys to look out for probably two or three that really stick out for me. Um, first being Anis Mehti, who's um, had a kind of a bit of a breakthrough season. Probably last year, fair to say, where he got a, a really consistent run of games on under his belt. Originally signed as as a development squad player um, in our championship season, but broke into the um, broke into the the first team uh, and I guess from there he's really pushed on and I think he's got four goals in in eight or nine games this season and so far and you know we'll, we'll be really lucky to, to keep hold of him probably come January so we're kind of hoping that he doesn't do too well so that people kind of you know turn their interest elsewhere. Um, other player um, recognised uh, you know across the Football League and in the Premier League is, is, is Sam Vokes who scored, you know, 17, 18 goals last year. He's just come back from injury. Huge presence for us and, and, and in what we do. Um, and Alfie Mawson, who we, we've just signed, which uh, is, is you know, arguably our, our best signing um, of, of the summer and, and, you know, perhaps too good for, for League One, but he, he's found his home uh, with us uh, and he's come back to, to find that, you know, find that spark and, and, and enjoy his football you know, a huge player at this level and, you know, only a few years ago he, he cost Fulham, you know, 16, 17 million with a few million more on and add-ons um, when they're in the Premier League, you know. So to be able to secure a player of that quality, this standard is uh, is amazing. So a few there to, to look out for. Um, interestingly, with with our strengths, I think a lot of teams will brand us as a, a bit of a hoofball team, you know, a bit direct, a bit route one. Um, and... You know, it's fair to say that that is an approach that's worked really well for us um, under under Ainsworth. You know, we've always had a, a target man, whether it's Akin Fenwa, um, Ikpiazu in the Championship, or, or now Vokes. But actually, I think it's worth pointing out that you know we we do bring in players that that can do both as well. You know, we've got an identity, or we like to think we've got a a couple of different masks, if you like, that that we can wear during games. And you know, I think that's what makes us you know, um, really strong is our adaptability. And Ainsworth is really good at playing the, playing the situation and, and setting a team up to to kind of play, you know, play the situation and, and trying to get 
trying to get something out of the game. So whilst we can do your route one and we, we're very successful like that, actually we can do both. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we, we, you'll see that on, on Saturday and, and, and what we offer. Weaknesses is a, is a difficult one. I'd probably say that fullbacks this year, we, we've probably struggled to um, maybe find the, the right pairing for that. We've been exploited down the left a, a number of times. And I think right back is, is always a um, conversation piece. We've got a, a couple of guys that can, can play there. Um, last night, we, we had uh, Jason McCarthy that, that played in the wing back role that did really well. Um, but Grimmer could play there as well. But I think, you know, it is a, an opportunity for us to strengthen on, 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 on both sides, actually. or we'll certainly find who our recognised starters are um, when it comes to that. Uh, thoughts on Derby? I think it's interesting with, with Derby. You know, there's been a lot of change for you guys as well this summer. You've gone through, um, you know, a, a lot of um, turmoil. It's been difficult for the fans. And I think, you know, I speak on behalf of, of many people when... You know, as a fan of a, a club, when you know that things are tough, you know, whether it's in, in your own personal life or, or not, you know, football brings you um, a lot of release. And what's a real shame is that the situation with Derby, you know, for it to get to the situation it did, you know, the the pain and anguish it caused the fans was awful. So it's great to, to know that things are, are back there uh, and going better. Um, so as you start a bit of a, a rebuilding process on on that, it'll be interesting to see how you progress through League One because it is really difficult. Um, obviously, I think there's an added you know bit of spice to the game with with our owner Rob Kuig, you know, being quite vocal about how we, we we're trying to you know we've pursued Derby for for a few things from from the Championship. But from my point of view, you know, I think it's you know let the the football do the talking. You know, have two teams that are competitive, got good quality. You know, let them work it out on 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 the on the pitch and see see what happens. How do I think the game will go? I think it'll be really tight. Um, I think you know, knowing how how we we play, you know, we'll, we'll set up for the situation. Gaz is is a really good um, master at that. So you know, I think we'll absorb a lot of pressure. I think we'll we'll be in a deep press. You know, we'll soak things up. Maybe look to play on the counter attack. Probably play a little bit more direct than than we would we would normally do. And to try and catch you guys out. So it'll be interesting how it goes. In terms of score predictions, uh, I'm going to be predicting a, a one-all draw. I think I'd be happy with a, a point away at you guys and um, you know an opportunity for us to hopefully take the, the points uh, in the return fixture. Hopefully that's a bit of a breakdown for you guys. Thanks for having me on and all the best for Saturday. Uh, good luck, but not too much. Good luck. So uh, cheers, guys. Well... It was it was a it was a topic we were we were going to move on to, but we've been absolutely going for for the best part of nine minutes on the podcast, and we don't really want to take up too much more of your time, boys. But it, it is it is a it is a quick question that we want to end the podcast, and we would normally do a bit of a longer chat about it. Uh, obviously, previewing the game on Saturday against Wickham. So just a, just a couple of words from from us each to for the last five minutes and a, and a score prediction to to round it off. Uh, what has been a, a mammoth episode, which is which has been nice actually. It's been it's been good to get me teeth in. It's the first real time me and Corey have uh, been on a pod this season together. So actually to get a, to chew some fat's been nice. But we'll we'll start with you, Mitch Dobby. Obviously. It's the first time we've come up against Wickham since um, obviously we relegated them because we don't know how to control finances. Uh, um, and so obviously there's going to be a little bit of needle there, I would have thought. I'd be surprised if their chairman's anywhere near Pride Park on Saturday because I've got a feeling he'll get kicked back to Wickham. Um, 
But all in all, a, a team that's had a, a bit of an indifferent start to the season, a, 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 I suppose similar to, to, to Derby in some respects, on the back of two defeats, Derby need really just to start to... They need to lay a bit of a marker down, don't they? In my in my opinion, just to get the naysayers, you know, back in their cupboards or whatever. Derby need to do something. The last two performances haven't been great. They need to do something. And so far from what we've seen this season, the only real place that they're managing to do that and pick up results is at Pride Park. What what are you expecting from arguably a, a tough game? You know, arguably they'll they'll be up there fighting. What are your what are your expectations for Saturday and and what, what do you think the score is going to be? Uh, I expect a derby win. To be honest, I mean, as you say, Pride Park is a fortress for us. I mean, last season you just have to look at the games we won at home compared to the games obviously we lost away. Um, it's proof that you know away form isn't on our side. Home form definitely is. Okay, we lost our last game, but we still scored the two goals. You know, it's not like. We, we didn't play well, we scored two goals and yeah, we lost. But, you know, if we're not playing well at home and still scoring two, that's showing that there's something there for us. Um, Wickham are going to come and... I'm, a lot of teams have come and they've tried to sit off us and whatever. I think Wickham might actually come at us. I think because they've got, you know, they've got a lot going back to that relegation, as you say. So they're not going to necessarily take this as a oh, we just want a point from you. They want to come and do damage to us. That, that's their aim. Um, but at the same time, we need to right our wrongs. Our last two games haven't been acceptable. The results haven't been acceptable. So we need to right that. And Pride Park in front of, what, 27,000? We're averaging at the ground at the moment. You know, around that, that is going to spur them on. You know, and Davies has had a match now to get back, you know, so I don't imagine he'll have another performance that people are questioning him on. Um, ideally, obviously, Collins would go and score a hat-trick to silence his doubters even more because the thing is we can't get on the players back because they're never going to improve or their confidence ain't going to go up if people are on the backs. That's just logic, you know. If someone's telling you you're doing bad at your job, you're not going to go and... You know, just go, oh, yeah, OK, I'm just going to go and prove you wrong. Some players might, but the the home fans need to get on, you know, get on his side and stuff. So I think, you know, we need to give the players confidence, definitely. We need to keep singing their names, even if it's not going too well for them. Um, we need to stick with them and stick with Rosinia because, you know, and in a game like Wickham, it's going to be tough. So we need to make sure we do that more than ever. Because otherwise, Wickham can easily beat us. You know, he's not saying that we're unbeatable because we're not unbeatable at home. Plymouth have proven that. If they come and execute their plan, they can beat you. So I think we'll beat them. It'll be tough. Um, I'm going to go 2-1. And I think Horahan might even prove a point in that game. Um, I think... You've got to look at Mendes Lang as well. Mendes Lang's missed out on a couple of games due to personal issues. When he's been in that side, he's looked really good. I mean, the goal he scored against Plymouth in a game we wasn't playing well. Maybe we need to let him just have the freedom like he did. Like He just ran at that defence, got through, smacked it in the back of the net. 
maybe, you know, we need players like that just to think, this ain't working for us right now. Let's just have a go. If it goes over the bar, we're not going to complain at you. We're not going to moan because you're having a go, you know. Sometimes passing it around isn't always going to work. So I think we just need to back the team. I think a 2-1 win we'll get. Yeah, Mendes Lang, a name that's not really been mentioned, player of the season for me so far, apart from Tuesday night, I thought he was dreadful, but yeah, these things happen. But anyway, Jack, uh, your thoughts on Saturday, mate, against Wickham? Come on, is, are we are we going to get three points? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to agree. I think 2-1's a, a fairly um, reasonable scoreline. I mean, they've got threats. Uh, someone to watch out for for them is uh, Memetti, who's already got four goals this season. But... Um, you know, we, on our game, at home, our style of football has, well, we seem to be getting more results with it at home because, as Mitch says, we've got the the backing of the crowd. You know, I, I think it's probable. I think they'll be fired up for this game. The crowd will certainly be fired up for this game. And, and yeah, back-to-back defeats. We, they're going to be desperate to bounce back. So... So, yeah, 2-1. And I think, yeah, Mendes Lang, I think that's a very good point. Him being given the freedom, yeah, it's, it's, he's difficult to stop on his on his game. He's, you know, he's over the years, he's had various spells, hasn't he? But give him freedom, give him the right management. And what you're saying about um, not getting on players' backs is exactly right. Because that that's for the, for the managers to figure out as well, which players need a bit of criticism and a bit of tough love at times, you know, who knows the players better and works with them every day. Whereas, yeah, our role as fans is cheer them on through through thick and thin, as we did as we did last season, to be fair. You know, give them a bit of stick at times when it's when it's deserved. But before, you know, when they're going out there on Saturday, it's nil-nil. Yeah, you've got to you've got to support them. And, and see how it goes. And I think, yeah, I think we'll come away with a positive result and our next discussion will be more positive than this one. Because, it, I mean, it's, it is noticeable, just thinking back to the last time we recorded, the tone of all of us is is a bit different. We're a bit more down, aren't we? Uh, because yeah. the first few games, we're saying, oh, it's only three, four games in, you know, got to give it time. And we still have to give it time, but it's been another three, four games. So, you, st- you know, the concern ramps up and we've got to you know we've got to let that stop I mean just looking at Wickham's last Wickham also on 11 points just to give people an idea of where they are I'm sure that that's all mentioned previously but um, they've lost in Carabao Tops the last five games and they've drawn three games in a row one of which actually happened on trophy win on penalties at Spurs Academy they did win last night 1-0 at home to Accrington so yeah they're coming into the game off positive but I, I think we'll do it I think Two one as well to say that. Oh well, uh, I'll go. I'll leave you to uh, finish off and, and ride it home, Corey. But I think um, I, I would expect Derby to win this game on Saturday. I think Jack, you're absolutely spot on. If the crowd, I mean, not that the crowd this season hasn't been up for everything, but this this crowd is getting up for Wickham because of all the shit that's gone off. There's no doubt about that. Um, and you would think that certainly a lot of the players who were here last season will want to prove that point as well to to say, you know, you're only 
no disrespect, you're, you're lowly Wickham and, you know, we rightly relegated you and, uh, and, and all that. And you would think that there'd be some pride somewhere in, in, in the players to do that. And I, I would fully agree. Not denying it won't be a difficult game. But I would expect Derby to come out of it unscathed on Saturday. And I'm actually going to, I'm going to predict a clean sheet, uh, but 2-0. I'm going to go 2-0. I I do, I've got, I'm hoping that it's the first real time Rossini are in the team this season. As I said, I've almost got to put a marker down and just prove one or two of the naysayers that has been going around on social media. They've just got to start. Not not proving them wrong. That's maybe a, a little bit harsh, but they want to put a marker down. They want to they want to say as a, as a collective group that the last two games were unacceptable, and we're going to put it right in front of our own fans. And almost the season restarts now. You know that kind of thing after a momentary blip uh, with one or two, obviously of our of our more first team players back from injury, and in, and obviously got some minutes behind the belt and things like that on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm going. I'm going. Uh, I'm going two nil on Saturday, and uh, hopefully it's uh, it's it's comfortable on Saturday, similar to the first half against Plymouth. But, you know, finish that game at half time. I'd have been happy. Yeah, for sure, Jason and I. I'm going to agree with uh, the three of you lads as well. It's a it's a big game on Saturday. They're all big games. Um, I think it's going to be an emotionally charged atmosphere. Obviously, coming back from the first game or for the first home game since the, the, since the Queen's passing. So there'll be that moment of silence of the black armbands. They'll, they'll sing the national anthem. So, you know, it will be, uh, it will be a, um, a, an emotionally charged atmosphere, hopefully. Um, you know, I would just encourage everybody to respect the moment of silence, which I'm sure that they will um, for, for all that kind of stuff, because you already don't need negative press and things like that um, and, and whatnot, but um, big game. Uh, hopefully we filled out the stadium and the car park. I mean, that's probably the most important thing. Um, you know, just champion of the car park award, I guess, I, whatever, whatever trophy cabinet that's in at Wickham, uh, we can take that cup off of them. Um, but yeah, so, uh, hopefully we can go in get a, get some points, Jason. And I want to agree. I think this is a nice inflection point to sit back and say, you know, the season kind of has to restart. Now we can't afford too many more poor performances because we know poor performances lead to more poor performances. And then you're playing catch up at the end of the year, which is always a dangerous thing to do. Um, and like Jack said, you know, it's up for the manager to figure out who needs a cuddle and who needs some tough love and, and to, to give him the stick. But it's up for the fans to, you know, um, encourage the team as much as possible. And if it takes a while to, to break Wickham down, um, then so be it. But just encourage everybody as much as possible. I don't think Wickham's going to be kind of the same as a lot of these other teams, because I think Wickham is considered one of the bigger teams in this division. So I think they will play um, hopefully a little bit more expansive games. So we don't have to continue to break down a low block. Um, but I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to have... I'm just going to say it's going to be 1-0 because Darby never make it easy. Clean sheet, one goal. Um, hopefully James Collins gets one, whether it's a 50-yard belter or five yards from the line or on the line. He just needs another one to, to continue to kickstart his career. But 1-0 to the Rams. We're going to get three points. Uh, and we're going to move move up the league. Um, and hopefully send Rob Kohig back to whatever place he came from in New Orleans and he can cry cry some tears about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't. I, do you know Sorry, I, I don't want to say anything. I don't want yeah, to like suddenly just that, that flight back, and then you know, I get blacklisted from going to New Orleans or something like whatever. I, I've I've got a feeling his name's going to be mentioned a few times in that South Stand on Saturday. I've, I've <laughs> is it going to be followed? Is a and then a, a bad word that I can't say? Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. And you're going to be something making the like gesture that. too, aren't you? You're going to make the gesture. Oh, too. you know me, mate. I right get involved not. in that South right Stand, not. of course. I love it. I love um, it. But yes, so. 
uh, th- that is it for what has been an absolute mammoth uh, podcast, but it's it's been a good one uh, as well. There's been plenty of talking points. It's been absolutely great to have you on, Mitch. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on on your debut, mate, and I am certain we'll have you on again. It's been an absolute cracking chat, mate. Thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it, and thanks for having me, and it has been uh, very good indeed. And, and as always, Jack, it's great to have you on. I know you've missed the last couple, but uh, it's it's been uh, it's been nice to get you back on as well. Thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, thank you. I'll just I'll just say something. We've not got onto it. We've run out of time. I'm going to put something either on the website or on social media ahead of Sunday to just remind people where exactly we're up to on the in the women's season. Because obviously there's been a call yes. there. Yes, so oh, yes. Yeah, something that, and yeah, oh, new podcast yeah. guest Amy Sims is absolutely on fire right now. She's got eight goals in four games. So they play yes. on Sunday against Filed. Yeah, Filed. Yes. 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 Yeah. And Amy Sims hopefully can bag another cupper. So, Amy, so we got ever since she started go out there and smash it. Ever since she started scoring, we can't book her for the podcast. It's been well, uh, see, she came on the podcast and then she started and then she scoring. Started scoring. So I think yeah, she, she did continue yeah. to come. You see what I mean? Maybe we yeah, should get no, James Collins on. Jason, and then maybe you'll start squad. I don't know. Maybe it's a I'll, thing. I'll send some emails, see what we can do. Yeah, um, I think those will be re- returning quick time. <laughs> but yeah, no, so it's great. And, and you're right, Jack. We want to make sure that we're going to continue to follow up on the women's season. She's going to have a lot more coverage of that as well um, as as and when um, things progress. So absolutely. Jason, with that, I you know I thank everybody for listening and, and, and everything like that and to your continued support. Um, but I think there's only one last thing to say, Jason. I'm going to let you say it. Uh, I'd like to say two things. I'd like to say two things. Okay, you can say two things. You can say two things. Obviously, it would be remiss. It would be remiss of me if I didn't mention, obviously, uh, goings on last Thursday in this country for for us, and obviously, the Queen. And I mean, not that I'm the world's biggest royalist in the world at all, but of course, condolences go out to uh, to the royal family and obviously the passing of the Queen. Yes, you made me miss a football match on Saturday, which I was very disappointed about, but. Of course, um, yeah, condolences where condolences is due. And like you said there, Corey, I echo it. Um, there's going to obviously be some pre-match bits and pieces. Um, and hopefully hey, that... Just don't be a jerk. That's, that's all yeah, it's yeah, Just don't be a jerk. I think, don't don't I be think an idiot. You, yeah, you, you've, yeah. Got, you've got to respect it for what it is and, um, you know, treat that with some respect. So, yeah, um, God's, God save the Queen and all that. Um, God and, save the King. Got to save the king now, of course. Yeah. Uh, that'd be weird in Qatar, but yeah, you know, maybe we'll have the national anthem on Saturday as well. I'm, I'm I also thought about this, Jason, before we finish, as I was watching the Queen's procession down the Maldives today. Mm. I will probably never in my lifetime again see a Queen of England. No, probably not. Well, I'll no, be, I'll be long dead. Or there's another Queen. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's too many. You got, you got Charles, you've got William, and then you've got um, George. So yeah, well, something so, happens to George and Charlotte becomes Queen. I, I don't think in my lifetime I'll ever see another Queen of England. So I was actually no. considering going to the uh, to the festivities to, to see your Lion State, but I didn't really fancy standing outside for you know thirty Three hours, hours, spending like two thousand pound on a hotel room a night, and then I couldn't get a flight. So who knows? Maybe I'll come for the coronation. But yeah, don't be an idiot uh, during the, the the service. You know, obviously, Jason, you know it's part of my heritage. I'm very proud to be half half British, half English, mm. um, and you know. Again, I don't like to read the tabloid stuff with the royal family, but her service to her country for 70 years is is is, is admirable, uh, more than admirable. She's a fantastic servant to that to, to to the to the country, and she needs to be respected as such. So please don't be an idiot. Nobody needs that. Just show your respect, sing the national anthem, um, and then get behind the Rams, you know, for for three points. But yeah, uh, you that's know, it. Sad, sad day, sad day when the news came down. Yeah. 
Oh, she was clearly a Derby fan because she came and opened our stadium. So what can we say? That's what I'm saying. Um, Again, also, that's the thing. You're walking to a stadium to honor the Queen and a stadium that she opened as well. So don't be an idiot. Exactly. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And of course, the final thing to say, is, as always, is up the ramps. Thank you for listening to the Rams Review Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, we're on Twitter at Rams Review 1, on Facebook, Rams Review Podcast. Drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. And until next time, up the Rams. <laughs>